Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message titled, Care Packages, was given by Larry Vold and was the fourth in our series, Transformational Church, Churches That Produce Transformed People. It's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning, great to worship with God's people. And if you haven't already done so, find your sermon outline there in your bulletin. And let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians, please. Now you'll find that on page 1839 if you use that book rack Bible that's in front of you. How, whatever you have, if you have a tablet, a iPod, iPad, notebook, whatever you've got, find your way to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. In our preaching times over the past few weeks, we've been looking at transformational churches. What makes churches transformational? And we're suggesting that the book of 1 Thessalonians is a template, it's sort of a grid from which we can learn at least 10 qualities of transformational churches. At least that's the way we're looking at this book because the church at Thessalonica was an amazing church. The Apostle Paul and Silas had visited that little town um, and, and God had done an amazing work there and we've been learning a little bit about some of that work. For example, we've learned already that transformational churches have members whose faith in Jesus Christ is real and contagious. That's one of the marks of a transformational church. That was true of the church at Thessalonica. Transformational churches also have leaders whose lives are worthy of imitation. That's true of transformational churches. We saw last week that transformational churches love the Word of God. They apprise the Word of God. They devour the Word of God. They read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it. They are all over the Word of God. They believe that the Word of God is what sustains us and changes our lives. That's what's true of transformational churches. And today, we come to the fourth quality that I see in this book, here in the middle of chapter two, uh, at the end of chapter two, and then moving into chapter three, and that is that transformational churches have members and leaders that really care for each other. I want to talk about spiritual care in the body of Christ today, and that's what I see here in this passage with some very simple observations. Hopefully it will be uh, so simple that we can just get it and connect with it and really see how it will change our lives. Um, Churches can be known for lots of things. They can be known for good preaching. They can be known for being a worshiping community. They can be known for their doctrinal clarity. They can be known for powerful prayers and lots of hardworking, serving people, uh, credible leaders, solid organization, lots of things churches can be known for. But today we want to look at what churches ought to be known for, and that is their care for each other. Uh, True transformational churches have members and leaders that really do care. It's not fake, it's not put on, it's not pretentious. There's a genuine, palpable, I care for you, I know I'm cared for in this place, and that's what transformational churches are. So let's see a little of that come out of our text this morning, beginning in verse 17 of chapter 2. And if you're able to, would you stand with me in honor of God's word this morning? Beginning in verse 17 of chapter 2. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or our crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy." 
So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, while we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? We'll stop right there. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask now for the power of your Holy Spirit to take these words, timeless, theologically Uh, sound words and translate them into our hearts to practice the way you want us to live our lives. And I pray, Lord, for anyone who might be in the sound of my voice that has not made their peace with you, I pray that through the miracle work of your Holy Spirit, today you would open their eyes and reveal Jesus, who is the Christ, who died for them and rose again from the grave to give them eternal life simply through believing on him. I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in this time. Hide me. And let the preaching come now, Lord, from your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Okay, if there's one place we ought to find care, it's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about here at Neighborhood Church? Could we consider ourselves to be a transformational church on the basis of whether or not we care for each other? Now, if we were to do a simple poll today, there may be many of you that would say, boy, I've really experienced care here in the body of Christ. And there may be some of you today that would say, to be honest, I've never really experienced care, and that's something that we need to address. What I want to show you this morning from this text are three simple ways that we demonstrate care for each other. And some of them might feel a little odd to you, but hopefully in unpacking this passage, you'll understand exactly what Paul was meaning and what we're suggesting here this morning from the Word of God. So the first thing about care, how do we demonstrate care to each other, is through connecting. Would you write that down? We care through connecting. Say that out loud with me. We care through connecting. I am struck by what Paul says here in these opening verses of our text, beginning in verse 17 of chapter 2, how Paul longed to be with the Thessalonians. He really wanted to be with them. And he knew that they wanted, or he hoped that they wanted to be with him like he wanted to be with them. As I was studying this passage, I thought to myself, what a simple application of what it means to care for each other. Churches that really care for each other know the importance, the priority of connecting with each other. Now, I know that that sounds probably really simple, almost so simple that we miss it, but look at the language of verse 17. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. And you see that 
weave its way all the way through this passage, how Paul dispatches Timothy to find out how they're doing, how he was concerned that the tempter might have come along, how he knew that Satan had stopped him from going back to see the Thessalonians. You remember on his second missionary journey when he had come into Thessalonica, he had an amazing, extraordinary ministry, but very soon after he arrived, and we're not quite sure how long he was there in Thessalonica, but it certainly wasn't long enough, and when Paul was separated because of the persecution that broke out there in that city, Paul, all he could think about was getting back and seeing how these people were doing. I have a feeling that that's something that we don't think about enough in the body of Christ. I mean, is this the way we feel about being with each other? Let's be honest. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to get to church this week. Now, maybe that's why you're here today, because you knew the importance of being here, and I realize I'm addressing those who are here. But there's a vast number of people who call themselves Christ followers who woke up this morning with absolutely zero compelling thought to be with God's people today. I mean, they may be very sincere that they're followers of Jesus Christ, but they woke up today thinking about going to the park or going out and playing golf or, or taking a drive or just resting or doing whatever. It was the last thing on their mind to be with God's people. So in a way, I would like to say to all of you, praise God, I think you made a good choice. You made a biblical choice because you wanted to be with God's people. Caring churches recognize the importance of connecting together, but that's not always the case. And there are many times where some of us feel the same way. We don't feel very compelled to be with each other. Now, look at verse 17 again. He says, Paul writes, he says, when we were torn away from you for a short time. We translate this little word, uh, torn away, uh, from the Greek word that literally describes, in ancient times, describes the way a parent or a mother would feel if their child were suddenly removed from their presence without their permission. This is the word picture that the Apostle Paul is giving to us here, which shows us the intensity of Paul's desire to be with them. And it reminds us the way we ought to look at our gatherings the same way. And in fact, we might just step back and say, if I don't feel this way, if I'm not compelled to meet with others in the body of Christ in some level of community, what's really going on in my spirit? Because Paul here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is giving all of us, not just a not just a life experience from his uh, missionary journeys, but this is something the Holy Spirit would teach all of us, that there should be an intense longing and a great effort made so that we can be together. And every parent here, especially a parent of small children, knows how horrible it would feel to be suddenly separated from your child without having that permission, right? I mean, the closest thing I ever came to that, I remember when our kids were real small, our oldest daughter went with me to a leadership meeting. I was a college pastor here at Neighborhood Church, and she was there with me, and I mean, she was just a young gal, and we were all, you know, having a great meeting at the, someone's house here in Castro Valley. It was after church on a Sunday night, and I remember, I must have had a lot on my mind, because I remember getting home from that meeting, and walked in the door, and Carla, my wife, says, where's Katie? And all of a sudden, I realized, I forgot her at the meeting. Now, that, that sounds really strange, and, and I can assure you that it was completely unintentional that I forgot her at that meeting. But the reality was I had that piercing feeling of, oh my goodness, where's my daughter? I remember one time I came home from uh, the grocery store, and our, one of the children that was with me, I can't remember which one it was, to be honest with you, but she had, she had fallen asleep in her car chair, uh, in, the, in the car seat. And I remember coming in, bringing in the groceries and putting things away, and then kind of going about my business, and all of a sudden realizing, wait a minute, 
And, and there, you know, I had to go to the car. Oh, there she is. She, I left her in the car. She's still sleeping. Praise God, she's okay. Okay, so, okay, so I'm not a very good parent. I've just confessed that <laughs> to you today. But what I'm sharing with you is that any parent knows how frustrating, how concerned it would be if suddenly we were separated, torn away from our children. And we read about that in the newspaper, an abduction of someone that comes and steals a child. And, oh my goodness, and the whole nation gets around that. It's a crazy feeling. Do you feel that way when you're separated from God's people for any period of time? If you don't, if I don't, there's something going on in my spiritual life that's not quite right. And if that persists in my life, guess what? I'm not contributing to making my church a transformational church. Because if I'm not looking for people, if I'm not waiting to see people, if I'm not anxious to meet them and greet them, now today I'm a little under the weather, so to be honest, Today I've kind of stayed away from people, okay? I'm doing that because I love you, you know? I'm not shaking hands with people and embracing people and loving on them this way. Today, normally I would be, but I'm grateful to see people. And normally I come to church wanting to connect with people, wanting to see people. And I feel that that's the way most of us function around here too. We look forward to coming. It's not just the good music. It's not just a message we're listening to from God's word. We want to connect with people. That's one of the essential marks of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now, I want to point out that there's three kinds of Christians that I detect. I'm just an observation from this passage. I think there are three kinds of Christians, basically. There are connected Christians, there are unconnected Christians, and there are disconnected Christians. Now, connected Christians are people who have not only just come to church, come to the Lord Jesus Christ and come to the body of Christ, but they're looking for connection. Around here, we talk about our process statement a lot, that we move from worship, what we're doing right here, into places of community. Many of those community places are right here on our campus. They tend to be larger communities. They tend to be 50, 60, 80, 90, 100 even people, but there's nevertheless a community feeling. You are known and you know others. But off this campus, we have things called small groups, and we have groups that meet during the week at various locations, including up here at Neighborhood Church. We have care ministries, opportunities for people to connect for issues going on in their lives. And we always encourage, and we always let these opportunities be known so that we can have more ways of connecting with each other. Now, we're really not wanting everyone to connect with each other every day of the week. We don't want your schedule to be so full of ministry connection that you lose connection with a world out there that needs to know Jesus Christ. I think that's really important. Some of us, by time we're a few years into our faith journey with Christ, we have lost all contact with the non-Christian world. You know, if we could, we would go to a Christian gym, uh, we listen to Christian music, we just hang out with Christian friends, we just, everything is Christian, Christian, Christian in our lives. And I'm not putting that down. In fact, I think what Paul's saying here, there's a beauty of connecting. But I'm just suggesting from a programmatic standpoint, we try not to load up our schedules so much, although over the last couple of weeks, I think we've done that as a church, quite frankly, with lots of programs and opportunities. But in the general rhythm of our ministry, we give space and time so that we can invest time in people that, know the Lord, that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're unconnected, it's maybe because you've not ne- taken that next step in our process of moving from worship into community. And I don't know where you are this morning in a crowd this size. I'm sure that there are many of us who have not taken that simple next step. And we are simply unconnected. But here's the problem with being unconnected. 
you come into a church like this, you might enjoy the preaching and teaching, you enjoy the music, there's something God is speaking to you about, and you feel very content with that, and you leave, and then something happens in your life. You get ill, someone in your family gets ill, there's a tragedy in your life, a loss of a loved one, something goes down, you miss it, you lose a job, whatever, there's all kinds of things that go on. And then suddenly, even though you've been around of Christians, a lot of Christians, because you come into a worship experience, that next step of community is missing in your life. So when you're in that crisis, you feel all alone. Now a lot of times as pastors, we get phone calls and messages from people who are in that strata. People that have been here for months, maybe even years, but they've never taken that next step. And it's amazing, and we try to facilitate as much as we can from individual pastors. I do it, our other pastors do it, but that's why we encourage people to find community because there's nothing so great as coming into a hospital room where someone that we know in the body of Christ is sick or they're dealing with some issue and to walk into that room and see a cluster of people and they say, oh, Pastor Larry's here or oh, Pastor Mark or Pastor Tyler or one of the pastors and they'll say things like, hey, listen, we're glad you're here. Come pray with us. That'd be wonderful. But listen, we got this covered. We're praying for this person. We got meals set up. We're ministering, da 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 and when I, when I hear that as a pastor, I say those are people that understand what connection's all about. Some of us are unconnected. But there's a third category of people, and those are people that are disconnected. <laughs> now, what is a disconnected person? An unconnected person is someone who just never make, made that next step from worship into a place of community. They've never tried a small group. They've never taken that initiation. But a disconnected person is probably someone that had a bad experience in one of those things. You tried a small group and it was kind of weird. Um, you didn't get along with somebody in that small group or you fell out of fellowship with somebody. You had a disagreement. You didn't know how to handle it. And because of either whatever, whatever issues, you've separated and now it's a little awkward. Now you don't really want to be around that person or those people. Am I talking to anybody here today? And we feel a little funny, and so we come to the body of Christ, but watch this. We are disconnected because we choose to be out of community. We're saying, no thanks, that's for somebody else. But listen to me. God did not create you to have a personal relationship with him that would just keep this vertical thing just between you and him. It's not, God didn't invite you into relationship with him so that you could have just this one-on-one -on -one thing with him. He loves that, he provides that, He's never, he never leaves us, never forsakes us, right? But he designed us to be in community, and we've said it before, even the Godhead is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God designed our salvation to be worked out in the presence of other believers who feed into our lives, who encourage us, who pray for us, who help us, who strengthen us, and whom we do the same thing to and with. That's part of it, what it means to be a follower of Christ. So, I know I'm talking to some people today who've had a bad experience, and all I'm here to tell you is, listen to what Paul's saying here. We long for you with an earnest passion to be together. We wanted to connect. And I'm just asking the question this morning, do you want to connect? This is why the writer of Hebrews, and this is a very familiar verse to some of us, Hebrews 10.25, if you haven't ever seen this, turn in your Bibles there, Hebrews 10.25, it says, the writer there says, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Whoever the writer was, I think said it very powerfully. Let us not give up meeting together, that's the connecting part, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's 
the strengthening part, which is what we're about to get into. So Paul says here in this passage, he says, he says, in fact, who is, what is our hope, our joy, or our crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Look at verse 20. Indeed, you are our glory and joy. This is the way Paul saw the church at Thessalonica. So here's an interesting thing. I'll just share a personal story. When you connect, you will care. A lot of us don't feel cared for and we're not caring because we're not in connection. Uh, a story comes to my mind. It's just a, a simple illustration of this. Years ago, probably five years ago or so, someone in our church called me and said, hey, I know you live in this particular, I live right down by Castro Valley High School. We have a friend of the family his wife is very ill. She's dying of an incurable lung disease, and she's only got probably a couple of weeks to live. She's in her bed at her home. Would you go by and pay a visit? I said, of course I would. So on the way home from church one Sunday, I stopped and I met George and Mickey. Mickey was, as, as I was told, laying there in that hospital bed in her little bedroom. Uh, they're up in age, watching two people that have been married together for so long, loved each other, watching one of them sort of slip away, and, and I just, my heart went out to them, prayed with them. I know George was a little bit unsure about who I was. Uh, he, was yeah, he, he was very tolerant of me, but he kind of stood at a distance. And I remember leaving the, the house that day, uh, just thanking the Lord for that opportunity. But the next Sunday, the Lord brought them back to my mind again. And I wonder how they were doing. So on my way home from church, I stopped by and connected with them again. And what, what, I thought was going to be just a couple of times getting together with this couple turned into weeks and even months. Mickey didn't pass in two weeks. It was almost two years before she passed. And during that time, I got to know George and Mickey in a very personal way. And other families in the church happened to know them as well. But since that time, uh, I just consider George to be one of my friends. I mean, George is a guy that actually, after his wife passed, I did her service there was a period of time that went by and George eventually himself gave his heart to Christ. He was baptized on one of our celebration Sundays. It was a beautiful thing. He still comes to church when he's able. He's up in age, doesn't drive very much. It's kind of difficult for him to see and some things like that, but there's some issues. But since that time, George and I are friends. I'm his handyman. I do his yard work. I mean, it's just kind of a fun little thing. He lives right around the block from me. I talk to him. It just... And here's the point. If you, if you miss everything else I've said, don't miss this. You cannot connect with people without caring for people. You just start connecting. You say, well, I don't know how to care for people. Don't worry about it. Just start connecting with them. Because when you start connecting with people, there will be a desire in your heart to reach out and care for people. And that's why small groups, that's why communities are really important is because that's where we learn how to care for each other. It's kind of fun to think about when I think about the story of George and many others in my life who just started as a simple connection but has turned into something much more than that. We not only care through connecting, but secondly, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, I see there that we care through supporting. Would you say that with me? We care through supporting. Now that may sound like a redundancy, and perhaps it is, to some degree, but what I see in this passage is the way Paul wanted to bring spiritual support. He says, this is why we wanted to come. This is why we sent Timothy, verse two. 
in spreading the gospel of Christ, to encourage, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. If you have your own Bible, the last part of verse two is really important, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. That's what we're supposed to be about in the body of Christ. That's the job of leaders to those in the church. That's the job to anyone in the church with each other. We are all to be about strengthening and encouraging each other in the Lord. Now, a couple things about support I wanna note there. Number one, support is birthed out of self-sacrifice, and leaders need to model this first. Support starts with self-sacrifice. I I would tell you right up front that if you're going to support someone to strengthen them and encourage their faith, it's going to cost you something. It's never free. It's not always easy, and it's rarely convenient. But that's what support and encouragement is really all about. And God dispatches us, just like Paul dispatched Timothy to go back and find out how the Thessalonians were doing, and Timothy was a leader, and I'm sure it wasn't easy for Timothy just to pick up from where he was and take off and go find out what the Thessalonians were up to, but nevertheless, God dispatched him just like he dispatches you and me as well. I heard the story last week of a, of a young man in our a, 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 a man in our ministry, he works with our Cross Streets ministry, and you've seen him up front, he's done things, but he's a guy that has his own career, uh, but his passion is to help people, and so he develops and works through our Cross Streets ministry, his name is Tom. Well, there's a gentleman in our Cross Streets ministry who got into some trouble and wound up in the Oakland jail, and so Tom had been kind of ministering to him, trying to get him some help, and one day, I guess the Lord laid it on Tom's heart to go visit him just last Saturday. And I know personally what it's like to go visit people who are incarcerated. It's never a quick turnaround time. It's not like you just zip in and zip out. There's lots of things to fill out. There's usually a line you need to wait in. There's kind of a little cattle, you know, you go through a lot of doors to get to where you're going to visit somebody. And so Tom, just out of the, his heart as a leader, as someone who cares about people, he had been connecting with this person for a long enough time to really care about what's going on in his life. So he goes down to the Oakland jail and he, he visits his friend there, visits uh, this person. And on his way out, Tom called me later that day and he said, I had an interesting experience today. I ran into somebody who used to attend neighborhood church. So here's that side of the story. There's a gal who now lives in Colorado whose husband got into some trouble and he was extradited out to Oakland and he's in jail in Oakland. She comes all the way from Colorado. She hasn't been in neighborhood church for six years She's lost touch with most of us who are here, but she's found a great church back there. That's great. So she's scared to death. What's going to happen? I'm going to be all alone. She's here on really a wing and a prayer, literally, trying to figure out what she's going to do with this horrible situation that she's dealing with. And as she's praying on the train coming out here, Lord, I just hope I can meet someone. I hope I can see somebody. She felt distant enough from our ministry that she didn't know really if she should call or if that was appropriate. So she just prayed. So she's walking through the door into the jail and out comes Tom. And she recognizes Tom. Hey, aren't you the guy that works with our Cross Streets ministry? And Tom says, yes, I am. And he's thinking, I wonder how I know you. She told him the story. And he had an opportunity to minister to her right there, encourage her. And we, uh, Tom and I talked later that day. He said, would you mind calling? Of course, I called this gal. We talked together. We prayed together. But this were her words to me. She said, when I saw Tom walk through those doors, I felt it was Jesus coming through those doors. Sometimes we forget that when we're in a place where God wants us to be, it's as if we are Jesus himself. And in fact, that's who we are. I mean, I don't mean that in some, you know, robbing Jesus of his deity. I'm just saying Jesus 
dispatches us to go and we go in his name and we might be ministering to people who need the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are that touch in that moment. And it's an amazing story. And I praise God for that story. It's a great reminder about how the Lord looks at our lives and how he moves us to help others. Second thing about support is this. Support is the act of strengthening and encouraging others in their faith. This is how we care for each other. To strengthen means to make someone firm, solid in their faith. To encourage means to come alongside of, to help with guidance or support or encouragement. To strengthen and encourage others. And this was the pattern of the disciples all through the book of Acts. You read it in chapter 14, 21, 15, 32. You read it in the book of Romans where Paul said to the Romans, he said, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that we may be mutually encouraged with each other's faith. I love that. And there's just something that happens when we strengthen each other's faith through our own personal lives and our own personal testimony. Um, I've got a ton of stories, but I don't have a lot of time. I'll tell you one that really struck me this past week. I was out visiting one of the gals in our ministry. Her name is Gina. She usually sits right down here, first or second service. Some of you know who Gina is. For the last six years, Gina's been struggling with cancer. Uh, She's been fighting the good fight. Um, God has sustained her, healed her, done amazing things, and brought her back many, many times. But unless God does a physical miracle, uh, the likes of which to this point we've not seen, uh, Gina will soon, very soon be home with the Lord. She's an effervescent, beautiful young lady that loves Jesus. And when I went to visit her in hospice care this past Thursday, I was struck by what I experienced in that room. Gina, as always, is a, a woman of God who loves Jesus and can't wait to be with him. She truly has the spirit of the Lord Jesus that says, I'm soon going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm still praying for God to heal me, and she'll raise her hands, whatever God wants in my life, but I'm ready to meet Jesus. She knows she's going to be with Jesus when she dies, and we had a beautiful time of fellowship around uh, John 11 where it says, uh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And in fact, Jesus went on and said, and anyone who lives and believes in me will never die. There's a part of us in Christ that will never die. Our spirit, absent from the body, home with the Lord. These physical bodies are gonna die. They're gonna come off. And we're gonna see that in a couple weeks when we get to chapter four in this book. It's a beautiful picture of what God tells us for those of us who know Christ at our death. I was so encouraged to hear that. The cancer support group at our church, when God and Cancer Meet, that's the name of the group, led by Judy Tyler. And that group had gone out the day before and sung over her and ministered to her and blessed her and she turned around and blessed them back. Her father, as we walked out of the room last Thursday, walked me out thanking me for coming but more than that, telling me how grateful he was that his daughter was ready to die. And that she was so ready that she was ministering to people right and left as, she was, as they were coming into her room. He said, this is the way she greets people. They walk in the room. They say, Gina, how are you today? And she responds this way. Well, I'm dying. How are you today? <laughs> the composure of someone who knows where they are going and knows that the Lord Jesus Christ is in their life. And to share that love with people. You talk about strength. You talk about encouragement. And that's why we need to connect because that's what happens when we connect. Whatever's going on in your life today, you need spiritual support in your life. 
And that's why we have care ministries in our church. That's why we have Stephen ministers in our church. But watch this. All those programs can never possibly make this church into a transformational church when it comes to care unless all of us are caring. All of us are looking to connect so that we can provide spiritual support and encouragement to those around us. So here's my question to you. Simple question. Who's on your life? Who's in your life? Who are you supporting today? Who in this ministry are you investing time in? Are you aware of who has spiritual needs, who has physical needs that you're connecting with? How many people come to our church on a weekly basis? How many people come to our church and never turn off their cell phones? How many people (laughs) come to our church and they don't have spiritual support in their life? And when the, when the chips are down, all they can do is they come to a leader and they've got this problem and this problem and this problem. And we say, wow, how we wish you could have a group that would just love on you and pour into your life because we're an individual. We'll do everything we can. But this is why community is so important. Beloved, can I just encourage all of us today? We need to connect because care comes through connection. We need to support because care comes through support. Thirdly, and this may seem a little strange to us, but we care through rejoicing. We care through rejoicing. In this last little paragraph, verses 6 through 9, I'm struck by the fact that Paul talks about the joy that he can't contain because of the good news of the, of the faith in the Thessalonians. Look at verse 8. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. You talk about living, this is living as a leader to hear that people are still walking with Jesus, people that you've invested in, people that you care about, people that you've put support and shared support with. Every now and then I get an email from somebody, I did just this last week, someone that used to be in my youth ministry years ago, and they live now down in the south somewhere, Tennessee somewhere, down there, and they were just surfing the net one day, and they said, I think I'll go back and see what Pastor Larry, if he's still doing college ministry, and they emailed me and said, I can't believe you actually became the senior pastor of Neighborhood Church. (laughs) And I think there was a little bit of incredulity there in the statement. You know, like, I really can't believe that that happened. (laughs) And so, of course, I wrote back to this person, but I remember sharing some special time with this young lady that was in our college ministry at the time, and uh, she had a situation where her aunt had been murdered and the, the murderer had been sentenced at San Quentin for a life imprisonment. And it's sort of been eating away in her heart that she wanted to go visit this, this you know, convicted murderer and make sure that he had the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had the gospel shared with him. And so she asked me if I would go with her to do this. And I remember back, I don't know, in the early 1980s, we drove over there to San Quentin and and uh, just had an amazing ministry with this young man who had just fallen into the wrong crowd. I'll never forget sitting in a room with this convicted murderer telling me that it all started because he just got mixed up as a teenager in a bunch of uh, wrong people and just started walking down the path of temptation after temptation. He had had a family that loved Christ, a family that even had pastors in the family, and he had just walked away from it all. And there in that place, Myself and that young lady had the privilege of sharing with him that he could lay his scars down. He could let Jesus bear his burden. He could give it all to Jesus Christ. It was a beautiful moment. We even uh, 
shared some letters after that time. It's been a long time since I've heard of him or what's gone on with him. But this person said, I just want, I've just been thinking about this and I just wanted to tell you that that was a life-changing moment for me. She wrote me and she said, and I want you to know, I'm walking with Jesus. He's doing great things in my life. And when I saw that, that she was walking with Christ, that there was a great joy in her life that had been 20 plus years, those are the kind of things that just takes a leader and say, it was worth it. It was worth it. Even for that one person. So there's a joy that comes when we see people come alive in Christ and stay alive in Christ. Paul writes in verse nine, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? This past Friday night, we had our volunteer appreciation night, and it was so much fun. And for Jim and Greg and everyone that wrote and did scripting and did videos, and it was just a fun, celebrative night. Were you here? Some of you were here. A lot of you were here. But you know what? The, the very cool thing about that night for me was what Paul's saying right here. There was so much joy in my heart about a ministry that works together, serves together, pulls out and does as much as we can to share the gospel, ministries all over the place, inviting people in. I thought, how many people miss out on this kind of experience? And it was as if Paul here in chapter three of Thessalonians would say, you know, when I think about that day when Christ comes and takes us to be with him, all I can think about is that maybe we'll all be together and that I'm gonna be not glorying uh, th that it's not my glory that you came to Christ, but I will glory in the fact that God used me to, to bring the gospel to all of you. And I got to thinking that Friday night, I thought how amazing this little window of time that God has given us this relationship together. And here we are at Neighborhood Church, the opportunity to show transformation to a whole culture if we really will care for each other. We gotta care for each other. And we can't depend on leaders or programs to do that. We've gotta reach out and care for each other. And maybe there'll be this opportunity in heaven for all of us who are at Neighborhood Church from the years this to this, let's get together and have a reunion. I don't know. I'm looking forward to that. People that were cared for and ministered to, that's what the body of Christ is all about. And so there should be joy. There should be joy in our hearts. Are you happy to be here today? Is there joy in your heart to be with God's people? So, so joy is contagious. And people understand that we're excited to see them when we see them. And we're excited to reach out to them and care for them in the little things that we might do that we think is so small but means so much to somebody else. Well, that's our invitation today. Let's be a caring church. <clears throat> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, <clears throat> thank you so much, Lord. Thank you, for <clears throat> thank you for Neighborhood Church, Lord. Thank you for the blessing of serving in a place that wants to be a caring place and wants to care more every day. And I pray, God, you'll help us. I pray, Lord, for the person, perhaps today, who doesn't have a relationship with you. May they not leave this place without giving their lives to you. And thank you, Jesus, for loving us this way. And thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for giving us eternal life. And thank you for giving us your church, a place where we can love and care for one another, a place where we can spiritually support one another, a place where we can connect with each other, a place where we can find joy with each other. Thank you, Jesus, for Neighborhood Church. And thank you, Lord, for the new folks that are in our midst, and I pray that it won't be very long till they feel so connected here. And I pray for those who are disconnected, that they will take the opportunity once again to invest their lives into reaching out to those around them. 
I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.